The March to Zion broadcast is a weekly radio production of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church. The broadcast is under the direction of Elder Tim McCool, Pastor. For more information, contact 205-364-1396 or write the March to Zion broadcast, P.O. Box 270, Carrollton, Alabama, 35447. Stay tuned for a message of God's sovereign grace. This is Tim McCool, pastor of Bethlehem Primitive Baptist Church and director of the March to Zion broadcast. Please stay tuned for a message of salvation by grace. morning. It's my great blessing and privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. If you're a returning listener, then we thank you for your ongoing prayers and support. And if you're a first-time listener, we hope that you'll feel burdened to join us each week at this same time. We rejoice in the message of salvation by grace alone, and we invite you to come and worship with us. We meet each Sunday morning 
at 1030 and on the second and fourth Wednesday nights at six o'clock. So come and join us anytime that you can. I would love to hear from you. You can reach me at my email address. It's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. That's Tim at T-I-M-M-C-C-O-O-L-L-A-W dot com. Our website is BethlehemPBC.org. That's BethlehemPBC.org. We're going to hear a song and then bring to you a message from the Word of God. read to you this morning, 1 Thessalonians, the first chapter, beginning in verse 2. We want to ask this question, do you know your election of God? 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father, knowing brethren beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. I ask the question again this morning, child of God, do you know your election of God? I submit to you that these people here in Thessalonica, these church-going, born-again children of God, The Apostle Paul wrote to them, and he said that you do know your election of God in verse 4. And so that's why I asked the question, do you know your election of God? Because I fear that there are so many children of God out there today struggling under the weight of sin and also under the weight of burdens that modern religion has put upon them to do this or to do that so that you can make yourself acceptable and suitable to go to heaven. And yet the scripture teaches the absolute opposite of that, that God has already made you fit for heaven. If you have a burden 
of your sins this morning, if you feel the weight of your sins burdening your heart, I have a good message for you. I have good news, and it is this, that God has already relieved that burden through Christ. It's not upon you, and it's not upon me or someone else to relieve that burden. But if you know your election of God, then you can be assured in knowing that the Lord has already relieved your burden. Now, notice how the Apostle Paul writes to these people at Thessalonica. We might ask this question, who were these people? Well, you can read about these people in the book of Acts. Here's a very important and interesting study that you can do sometime on your own, and I encourage you to do this. If you'll read the book of Acts and write down and note the different names of the different cities where the Apostle Paul went and established churches, and then if you'll read through the letters or look through the titles of the letters that Paul writes, you'll find that he writes back to many of those churches that he established. In other words, the Apostle Paul goes into an area and he preaches And he spreads the truth of salvation by grace alone. And then at some point later down the road, it's often believed that many of those letters were written when the Apostle Paul was a prisoner in Rome and he had plenty of time to actually sit down and write. Back in the days when he was traveling, he didn't really have time to sit down and write. So years later, the Apostle Paul writes back to several of those churches. In the book of Acts, you'll find him going to Ephesus. You'll find him going to Philippi. You'll find him going to Thessalonica. And then years later, he writes back to them and basically is saying, remember when? Remember when I was there? You remember what we did? You remember what we went through? And he's calling on them to be faithful and maintain the very truth that he taught them when he was there. And that's exactly what he's doing here in 1 Thessalonians. There's also a 2 Thessalonians. He writes to some of these churches twice. He wrote to the Ephesian church one time. He wrote to the Philippian church one time. He wrote to the Thessalonians twice. So we have two letters that he wrote to them. And I want you to know that he's not telling them anything new. He's reminding them what he taught them. That is so important to understand. And he expected them to remember what he taught them about their salvation. And one of the things that he taught them, which is a part, an integral, important part of the gospel, was their election of God. He says, you know, brethren, in verse 4, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only. You see, there are some that would say today, well, you know, election's not really part of the gospel. It's some heady, high-minded, hard-to-understand concept that's you can't even wrap your mind around it. <laughs> well, I want you to know it was part of the gospel that was first preached. The people knew their election of God because it was part of the first messages that Paul preached. And as I've said many times before, that it's so sad to know that there's children of God out there that have never even heard a message on their election of God. And if this is your first message that you've ever heard on the election of God, God choosing you before the foundation of the world to be a special chosen child of God, a special jewel for him, I'm so happy to be able to share this with you because it's the best news you'll ever hear. And as I said before, if you're burdened and you're laboring under the weight of some decision that somebody has put upon you or some choice you need to make or some act you need to do or thinking that, you know, my good works have to outweigh my bad works. So when I get to heaven and they put them on the scales, it'll make sure that I get in. Listen, none of that's found in the scripture. The good news is this, that your good works could never outweigh your bad works, but the good work of Jesus Christ has outweighed all the bad works of his children. So you don't have anything to worry about, child of God. And if you know your election of God, you can rejoice in it. 
It's part of the gospel. It's part of what we should be speaking to God's children. And as Ephesians, the fourth chapter says, we should speak the truth in love. It is a doctrine of love. It's not a doctrine of hate. It's a doctrine of love because God loved his children and he chose his children because he is merciful to his children. You see, all of this relates to the love of God, the character of God, where he cannot hate his children. Now, he hates the wicked and he hates evil and he hates sin, but because of his covenant, because of the work of his son, because of the work of his spirit, he cannot hate his children. Isn't that good to know? Knowing, brethren beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. When we understand our election of God, it brings us assurance. Now, the definition of election there, where he says, knowing your election of God, it means to select, to make choice, to choose out, to be chosen. Those are terms that are synonymous with election. And a lot of what we would know today about election would be in relation to going to vote, because that's a big thing, obviously, in America. And so when you go to vote, you don't go and put someone out of office, do you? No, you go and vote to put someone in office. And that is what God's election is. God voted and he put you in office. He didn't just put you and me. He put a number of people that are as vast as the stars of the sky and the sands of the sea. So many people that it cannot be numbered by man. God's election, by the way, was held before the foundation of the world. Now, there's been those that have said over the years, well, you know, God cast a vote for you. The devil cast a vote against you. And you cast the tie vote. That's not even found in the scripture. There's no truth to that whatsoever. God cast all the votes. The Father voted for you. The Son voted for you, and the Holy Spirit votes for you whenever it comes into your heart and gives you life, and that is something that certainly will happen in the life of a chosen child of God. So that's what it means to be elected. And you see, it takes a vote in terms of what we think about election. It takes a vote to put you in. It's not God voting to put these in and voting to put these others out and send them to hell. No, that's that's not what the Scripture teaches. God didn't have to send anyone to hell. No, we did that ourselves. You see, when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden and made the choice to eat the fruit that God told him not to eat, well, then we were plunged into sin, and that cast us into a dead state in sins before God. So God didn't even have to do anything there. We did that to ourselves, but in order for us to be recovered from that state— That's why God had to choose. That's why God had to elect. And child of God, I'm here to tell you this morning, and I'm happy to tell you that this is part of the first understanding that we should have of God and what he has done for us. This is part of our first blessings. It's part of the first messages that were preached. I want you to see that from the scripture. In Ephesians, the first chapter, which is a wonderful book to understand the basic fundamental doctrines of our salvation, the first three chapters of Ephesians. If you say, well, I really want to know more about what God has done for me, then you need to read Ephesians 1 through 3 because it describes in detail, very simple detail, what God has done for us. And in Ephesians 1, we read about the first blessings that God has given us. Remember the definition of election, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God means to select, to make choice, to choose out, to be chosen. And in Ephesians, the first chapter, in another of the letters that Paul writes back to one of the churches he helped establish, he says, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And the first spiritual blessing that he names, you guessed it, is our election, our being chosen, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That right there answers the question of, of when did this happen? Now, there are those that also that would say, well, the Lord looked down through time and he saw that you would choose him, so he chose you because he's over time. But the problem with that is there's verses of scripture that counter that. Yes, the Lord did look down through time, Psalms 14 and Psalms 53. But what he saw was not us choosing him. What he saw was this, that no one would choose him. It says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that would come to him, that would choose him, that would pray to him, that would love him. And there was none. So the basis on which the Lord chose was not looking down through time and seeing that we would choose him. No, the basis on which the Lord chose a people before the foundation of the world was simply this. Contained within himself, within his own character, is such love and mercy and compassion that he was willing to have compassion upon those that hated him. Now that is in and of itself true love, where in spite of someone hating him and in spite of someone not coming to him, he chose them anyway. And the first blessing that is listed here is your election. He said, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated or set our destination unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, his choosing was according to the good pleasure of his will, contained within God, as I said, contained within his own character is mercy and grace that he sovereignly and, in my mind, mysteriously would bestow upon those that don't deserve it, those that were hating him, and it was according to the good pleasure of his own will. It's a mystery to me why God would choose anyone when you think about their dead state and how they were against him and how Adam turned against him. Why would God choose anyone? Some people say, Well, I can't believe God would choose these and not choose others and give a chance to these and not give a chance to others. Well, one thing to note is salvation is not by chance. Salvation is by grace and mercy. But here's the thing. If you see the nature of man, if you see the fallen state of man and the rebellious state of man and his nature, then the question is not why would he choose these and not choose these? The question is why would he choose any? And that is found in the good pleasure of his will which is immeasurable, by the way, God was pleased to do this. It says in Isaiah 53 that he was pleased to bruise his son so that we would be saved, that our sins would be paid for. And you see, this is all to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, you'll hear the opposite of that today. You need to accept him. You need to let him in your heart. He's knocking on the door of your heart. That's not found in the scripture, child of God. But it is found where it says this, that he, God, has accepted us through the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus Christ. You see, the Apostle Paul, just like in 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is writing back to a church that he established, and he's reminding them, remember what I taught you? Do you remember whenever I taught you that you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? Over there in 1 Thessalonians, he says, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Do you know your election this morning? Do you know that you were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world? These are the first blessings. As a matter of fact, it is the first blessing. The Apostle Paul starts at the beginning, and the beginning was before the beginning of the world. Your salvation was secured in Christ because he chose you in a sovereign way. And it wasn't like he just closed his eyes and and just kind of pointed out here, I'll take this one, I'll take that one. No, 
In the mystery of God's sovereign pleasure and will, he chose you as a special vessel unto him to change you, to change me, to turn me into something that I was not before by his mercy. He quickened me and he made me alive. That's what he does with his children through the spirit. He changes, he gives them that nature, that spiritual nature where there was nothing there. Now they have spiritual life. This all started with the choosing of God. That's your first blessing, child of God. Do you know your election of God? Did you know that this was contained in the first messages to the church there at Ephesus? He writes to Ephesus and he tells them the first blessing you remember is that God has chosen you before the foundation of the world. In Acts 20, we see the manner in which the apostle Paul taught the people there at Ephesus. And in verse 20, he says, I kept back nothing that was profitable to you. And it also says in verse 27, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And in verse 31, he says, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And he says in verse 35, I have showed you all things. Do you think there's any possibility that the apostle Paul left anything out for them? No, there's no possibility that he did. If you want to read in Acts chapter 18 and Acts chapter 19, where he first encountered the city of Ephesus, where he eventually established the church at Ephesus, you'll see he spent three months there, and then he spent some more time there later, a total of about three years, as he describes there in Acts 20. And he taught them in the first messages... He taught them about the first blessings that they had, and it was that they were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You see, this was very important to the people that heard this message. See, they were Gentiles. They were not Jewish people. And the Jewish people, the Israelites of that time, they believed themselves to be the chosen nation. And so here comes this preacher coming along and telling other people who were not Jews It's not just the Jews who are chosen, but it's you who are chosen. And this was a Jewish preacher, by the way, Paul, who was saying this. You are chosen in Christ. You see, this was a new revolutionary message that they never heard before, and they rejoiced in it. Read the reaction that those children of God had. Now, there was also opposition to it. Now, no question about that. But the first blessings were described by Paul, and the first messages that he preached to them Whenever he first encountered those people in Ephesus and in Thessalonica and in Philippi and in other places, and he's preached to them their election of God. And he didn't just preach election. Don't get mistaken on that. He preached redemption in Christ. He preached that Christ was the Messiah. He preached that the Spirit is what gives you spiritual life. And if you feel a burden in your heart, it's because the Spirit is there. You see, he did this in the first encounters that he had there. And by the way, in Revelation, the second chapter, as the Apostle John was inspired of the Holy Ghost to write back to those seven churches, the first one that he writes to is Ephesus. And you know what he says? He, he calls out a problem there that was going on in Ephesus, and it says that they had left their first love. They had forgotten those first messages, those first things that caused them to have their eyes open to what God had done for them. I believe this teaching us that they left behind an understanding, a proper understanding of their election of God, and they left behind their first love, which was Christ. You see, it's so easy for us to forget these things, but listen, maybe there are those that have never heard it. Do you know your election of God? Did you know that in the first sermon of any substance that we read about by Jesus is found in Luke, the fourth chapter and the 24th verse, and you know what he preached on? <laughs> you guessed it. He preached on election. In Luke 4, it was a day there in the synagogue whenever Jesus stood up and read from the book of Isaiah. And after he read, he closed the book and he sat down and everybody was wondering and looking at him. That's verse 22 of Luke 4. 
And they said, is this not Joseph's son? And Jesus looks at them and says, you will surely say unto me, this proverb, physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also there in thy country. In other words, the people would not embrace that he was the Christ. And he said, verily, I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. And then he refers back to a prophet who was not accepted in his own country. This is interesting, is it not? Notice the language. He says, you will not accept me. (laughs) That's interesting, isn't it? But I tell you of a truth. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, unto a woman that was a widow. Jesus, in his first sermon to them, is preaching to them election. There were many widows that God could have sent Elijah to to sustain them during the days of that famine when Ahab was looking so hard for Elijah, but he didn't send him to any of those widows. He sent him to a widow who was not even an Israelite. You see, because God can sovereignly do whatever he wants to do, and everything he does is right. It's not possible for him to do wrong. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except for Naaman the Syrian. You see, there were a lot of Israelite lepers, but God in his sovereignty, and he never does anything wrong, he cleansed a foreigner. You see, Jesus preached election, the sovereign sovereignty of God and choosing to do what he wants to do. He preached in his first sermon. And you think the people were receptive of it? Were they rejoicing in it? No, they didn't know or understand. And they all in the synagogue, when they heard these things, they were not happy. They were filled with wrath and they rose up and thrust him out of the city. What an insult. The son of God was led out of the city, thrust out of the city, and they were going to cast him down off the side of a mountain. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Isn't that something? Jesus was rejected in his first message, and his first message involved election, God's sovereignty. Do you know the first message that Peter preached to Cornelius in Acts 10 was about God's sovereignty and choosing a people? In Acts the 10th chapter, after Cornelius explained to Peter why he had called upon him to come down, Peter looks at Cornelius and he says, in verse 34, he opened his mouth and he says, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. He didn't say, now, Cornelius, you need to accept Christ or let him in. No, he said, God has accepted you. The word accepted means approved. God has approved you. Well, someone may say, well, he was approved through what he did, right? No. You remember Ephesians, the first chapter, it says we are accepted in the beloved. You see, it was Christ that caused us to be accepted. Peter is preaching this blessing to Cornelius. He says, you're chosen of God. If you're doing these things and God's burdened you to call me down here to come and tell you the gospel, the truth, he says, then you're already chosen of God. God has accepted you through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He said, I say to you that you know that. Do you know your election this morning, child of God? In First Peter, the first chapter and the second verse, Peter preaching here and writing to the strangers scattered throughout the area, he says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, through the sanctification of the Spirit, the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, child of God, do you know your election this morning? Do you know that God has chosen you before the foundation of the world and written your name in the Lamb's book of life and sealed it with the blood of Christ and sealed it in your heart by the Spirit? If you love the Lord this morning, if you are burdened over your sins this morning, if you see yourself as unable to approach unto God and that you can't meet the condition, maybe the conditions of the modern religion that has been placed upon you to do this, to do that, to let your good works outweigh the bad, I'm here to give you the good news that God has relieved that burden through Christ and he has made you accepted. How? By accepting the sacrifice of Christ.
That ought to be good news to us this morning. Do you know your election of God? The Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, and he said, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. My prayer is that you know your election of God. And if you've never heard that message before, I'm so happy to share it with you to help you know that God has chosen you, has chosen his people before the world was formed and born them again through the Spirit and paid for their sins through Jesus Christ. May the Lord richly bless you is my prayer. been listening to the march to zion broadcast for more information contact 205-364-1396 or write to the march to zion broadcast p.o box 270 Carrollton, alabama 35447 bethlehem primitive baptist church is located seven miles east of gordo and 10 miles west of northport just off highway 82 on the boyd road near ecola services are each sunday at 10 30 a.m and the second and fourth Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Please join us next week for another message of God's sovereign grace.